0: Welcome to Ancient Heroes, where we explore the mysteries and myths of the ancient world. I'm your host, Patrick Garvey. You can find the show notes and learn more about ancient history at ancientheroes.net. Nazis have discovered Tannis. Just what does that mean to you, uh, Tannis? Well, well the city of Tanis is one of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. But what do you mean do you Ten mean, Commandments? The, You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets that Moses brought down out of Mount Herab and smashed, if you believe in that sort of thing. Okay, so that is a clip from a scene from Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark which this past week celebrated its 40th anniversary since it was released in 1981, which is kind of amazing. It's one of the great films featuring archaeology and ancient history, and it got a lot of people interested in archaeology and pursuing a career traveling around the world uh, looking for ancient treasures. So given it was the 40th year anniversary... And given that the Ark of the Covenant has always been something that fascinated me, I thought we would do an episode on the Ark. And I thought at first I could spend a couple days and kind of refresh myself, read some articles, and come up with a basic episode to just do a simple overview of the controversy and mystery surrounding the Lost Ark. But it ended up being a lot more complicated than that there's just a lot of different theories. There's a lot of information, and we've been more focused on ancient Greek history, and that's something that I'm more familiar with lately in the last few years. So going back and relearning and reinvestigating some of the ancient biblical history and history from the Holy Land and the ancient Hebrew people uh, was definitely a change, and it took me a number of days to really get up to speed and to get into a position where I felt like I understood the basics about the story of the Lost Ark and what the current theories were on its whereabouts. So suffice to say, we have a lot to cover in this episode, but I'm going to try to be efficient and get through things, uh, you know, as quickly as I can. We may need to end up doing more episodes on this subject and bring in some experts and stuff like that uh, if there's a lot of interest in this subject. So, okay, So starting out, I'm going to talk a little bit about what the Ark of the Covenant is and what the basic story in the Bible tells us about the Ark and what the basic chronology is that we know in history about kind of when the Ark was first created, and what happened to it, and when we last heard about the Ark in the historical sources. And then from there, I'm going to talk about some of the leading theories about where the Ark ended up and where its whereabouts may be today, and I'm going to do a little breakdown of what the strengths and weaknesses are of those theories. Okay, so let's start out and let's talk about what the Ark is. According to the Bible, the Ark of the Covenant is a gold-covered wooden chest that contains the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai by God. Then the ark was carried by the Hebrew exiles after they left Egypt and escaped slavery in Egypt, according to the Bible, through the desert with them on their 40-year journey to the eventual Holy Land where they settled in uh, somewhere around modern-day Israel, Southern Levant, Canaan, uh, Palestine, Jordan region. So there's a lot of different names for this region, like historical and current, so I'm just going to refer to it as the Holy Land for the most part. Okay, so the Ark was something that had very specific... Descriptions in the Bible with the exact measurements, exactly how to create it and what it looked like. So that's something that's a little bit interesting. Um, a lot of times we're trying to break down these vague passages and things in these ancient texts. The Ark actually is described very specifically. And they had an entire portable temple called the Tabernacle that they kept the Ark in during their travels through the desert and to the Holy Land. And the Ark had two cherubs on top of it in gold that they believed God would appear to them between these cherubs and speak to them. So one thing that I didn't realize at first when I started looking into the Ark of the Covenant was how important of an object it was in the Old Testament and to the ancient Hebrew people. I always knew it was this holy item. It carried the Ten Commandments. You know, I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't realize that it was one of really the central elements in most holy things. That exists in the Bible. In fact, in the Jewish religion, they don't normally um, really venerate objects as being holy. It's more about the ideas and the beliefs and things like that. But the Ark of the Covenant is somewhat unique in this respect. It was seen as intrinsically powerful and holy, and it was in some cases almost synonymous with the presence of God in the Old Testament. Uh, And it's also mentioned many times in the Old Testament. So we do actually have a lot of information about the ark from the Bible. We also, from the Bible, know that these ancient peoples believed that the ark was powerful and it could make rivers run dry. It could strike down enemies of the Israelites when they carried it uh, or the ancient Hebrews. Just by looking at it or touching it at the wrong time, you could be killed by the ark. It had the power to burn or electrocute people in its presence. This, of course, is what we learn from the Bible. Uh, so, I don't actually think that it was a magical object, but this is what these ancient sources tell us, and it's an interesting aspect. And this is what this is why, in the movie, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, they contrive this whole story about the Nazis wanting to get the Lost Ark so that it would make their army invincible. Now... In truth, the Hebrew people were actually defeated in at least one battle while they were carrying the Ark. So the Ark did not make an army invincible, even according to the ancient uh, biblical sources. However, it did seem to have some sort of supernatural godlike powers associated with it, and it could wreak destruction on the people that opposed it. Okay, so now let's get into the basic story, the basic chronology of, of the Ark from start to when we last heard of the Ark. Okay, so starting out, we of course have the Exodus, the Hebrews leave Egypt, they escape slavery, Moses gets the Ten Commandments. Historians believe that this must have happened sometime around the mid-13th century, so in the mid-1200s. This is different than what the Bible says. The Bible gives an earlier date, but the Bible chronologies just don't really match up very well with the actual archaeological evidence in uh, in many cases. Um, So Basically, historians have to figure out kind of what's a more likely uh, what's a more likely time period. So, so they've decided that the mid thirteenth century is probably the time that something like the Exodus would have happened when the Hebrews left Egypt, which was around the same time as the Trojan War uh, is estimated to have taken place. At least the Trojan War of the Iliad and and um, and Homer, and this is also just before the kind of collapse of the Bronze Age, which we've talked about on this podcast with Eric Klein and others. So what we have is the end of this Bronze Age of of a number of different civilizations in this interconnected Mediterranean world. And out of the ashes and dust of that Bronze Age, the ancient Hebrews and ancient Israelites were one of the groups that sort of came out of that and started to rebuild civilization. Um, So... One thing to note on the story of the Exodus and Moses and all of this is there is no archaeological or real historical evidence for the Exodus or Moses. Um, Outside of the story in the Bible, it doesn't really appear in the archaeological record. We don't have ancient Egyptian sources talking about a group of Hebrew people that were slaves or the plagues or anything like that. Uh, We don't have evidence of the exodus of them on their journey that's been found. And so this could be purely mythological as far as we know. It could be that the ancient Hebrews came to the Holy Land from somewhere else or over time, or maybe some came from Egypt, but not as many uh, as are depicted in the story. We just don't know. There's a lot of speculation about it, but it's important to know that, you know, there's no evidence outside of the Bible that Moses is even a historical figure at all. So uh, we're really dealing with a time period that's kind of hard to tell what was really going on if we can't back it up with any kind of uh, archaeological evidence. Um, So, okay, what we do know is that the Hebrew people were in the Holy Land by the end of the 13th century. So by the end of the 1200s, the Hebrew people were emerging uh, and taking a prominent place in the Holy Land based on archaeological findings and pottery and different things that they've found. So so they got there somehow. Okay, so from there, the Ark was kept in a city called Shiloh for hundreds of years. According to the Bible, it was kept there for 400 years. But again, the Bible chronologies don't really add up and sometimes it's too long and stuff. But, but we think it, you know, hundreds of years would be more likely uh, Than 400. So, um, you know, a few centuries possibly, it was kept in a city called Shiloh. And then at one point, it was captured by the rival group, the Philistines, who defeated the Hebrews in a battle and they took the ark with them. However, the ark started bringing plagues on them and killing their people. And so they didn't want it anymore. It was basically cursing them, kind of like had happened uh, with the curses being put on the Egyptians. Um, before the Hebrews left uh, Egypt, and so the Philistines actually returned the Ark after only seven months to the Hebrews. So then later uh, in the early 10th century, King David united the tribes of Israel and brought the Ark to this new united capital in Jerusalem. So again, there's very scarce evidence of some of this in the historical record uh, as far as uniting the kingdom and, and King David and all that. But this is kind of the story that the Bible tells. And the best dating that we can give it is sometime maybe in the early 10th century. So uh, at that point, the Ark of the Covenant came to Jerusalem. And then David's son, King Solomon, built the first temple in Jerusalem, uh often called King Solomon's Temple, which you may have heard of, and he put the Ark there. And in fact, this first temple was built to house the Ark of the Covenant. It was still seen as this incredibly holy object and, and uh, you know, uh, one of the most powerful objects in existence, if not the most. And so they built this temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the first major temple, And they had an inner room called the Holy of Holies that was used to house the Ark. So this was happening um, sometime uh, in the early half, the first half of the 10th century B.C. So from there, as far as we know, that's where the Ark stayed for about 400 years there in the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem until around 587 B.C., when the Babylonians under the Emperor Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel, I'm sorry, invaded Jerusalem and looted Solomon's temple. And at that point, we lose any reference to the Ark in the Bible and what happened to the Ark. So taken at face value, the story is basically the Ark came from uh, you know the desert from Mount Sinai, where God delivered the, you know, the Ten Commandments to Moses. And they built the Ark from there. They carried it to the Holy Land. Then it was in King so- it, you know, It was in a place called Shiloh for hundreds of years, but it eventually ended up in Jerusalem and was there for 400 years uh, before then the Babylonians invaded, destroyed the temple, took everything from the temple, and we don't hear about the Ark again. So you know, one of the leading theories about what happened to the Ark is that the Babylonians took it with them. They stole the Ark when they... Uh, when they invaded the temple um, and they took it along with many other things um, so that it was taken back to Babylon or somewhere else, or it could have been destroyed in the, in the war that was happening. Okay. So now let's get into the theories about the whereabouts of the Ark, And we're going to start out by listening to the second half of that Indiana Jones clip uh, that I played at the beginning of the episode. The Hebrews took the broken pieces and put them in the ark. And when they settled in Canaan, they put the ark in a place called the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem, where it stayed for many years. Until all of a sudden, whoosh, it's gone. Where? Well, nobody knows where or when. However, an Egyptian pharaoh, uh, yes, invaded the city of Jerusalem around about 980 B.C. and he may have taken the ark back to the city of Tanis and hidden it in a secret chamber called the Well of Souls. Secret chamber. However, about a year after the pharaoh had returned to Egypt, the city of Tanis was consumed by the desert in a sandstorm which lasted a whole year, wiped clean by the wrath of God. Okay, so there we have the basics of the theory that the Ark was taken to Tanis. Now, this was a theory that was highly fictionalized uh, by the Indiana Jones film. The aspects of the year-long sandstorm and the Well of the Souls being in Tanis, I think there is a, a place called the Well of Souls, but I think that's actually in Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this stuff was made up just for the film, as far as I know. It was just to make the, the, the theory sound cooler in the movie and to create a plot device. However, there is some plausibility to the idea that the Ark may have been taken by an Egyptian pharaoh and could have ended up in a place like Tanis. Uh, there is an account in the Bible of an Egyptian pharaoh, probably Shishak I, that invaded the Holy Land in the 10th century and took all of the treasures from the Temple of Solomon. And at the time, Tanis was the capital of the northern kingdom in Egypt. And so they could have ended up in this lost city. The ark could have ended up in this lost city of Tanis. So that would be. Uh, the basis of this Tannis theory that became very popular from the Indiana Jones film. So, okay, the strength of the Tannis theory is that, like I said, there is a biblical mention of this Egyptian pharaoh taking the treasures away from the Temple of Solomon. And the strength is it would explain why we don't hear a whole lot about the ark during the time that it's at the Temple of Solomon. Uh, so, um, you know, somebody could speculate that the fact we don't hear much about it after that time uh, could be because the ark was actually taken by this pharaoh. The problems, however, which, with this theory is that the ark is mentioned, although it's not mentioned a lot, and during that 400 years it was at the Temple of Solomon, supposedly, it is mentioned later as being in the Temple of Solomon in the Bible. So it is mentioned as being there even after this Egyptian pharaoh invaded and took some of these treasures away and another thing that i came across in one of the documentaries i was watching was that historians don't even think that the egyptians actually entered jerusalem and that rather uh the residents of jerusalem were gave the pharaoh and the egyptians some kind of um uh, some of their treasures to keep them out basically and they would have never and the idea is they would have never given away their most treasured object which was the Ark of the Covenant. So if the if the Egyptians never even actually entered Jerusalem and entered kind of the the actual walls of Jerusalem then it's unlikely they would have gotten the Ark of the Covenant. It also isn't mentioned as being taken in the Bible so although the Bible does say that the Pharaoh, uh, got the treasures um, from the temple, it doesn't actually directly mention the Ark. And it seems like that would be pretty important and they would mention it when it's mentioned hundreds of other times. It seems like if it was actually taken by a Pharaoh, um, that, it would, that that would be noted in the Bible. And we also, in Indiana Jones movie, Tanis was a lost city that the Nazis had discovered. However, we actually have discovered Tanis now. Tannis was a real city, and archaeologists have been uh, doing digs and digging up more things from Tannis um, during the 20th century and now into the 21st century, and they haven't found any evidence of an Ark of the Covenant or anything like that at Tannis. So those are the problems with the theory, and frankly, this was a theory, I think, because of the um, uh, fictionalized aspects, and uh, you know, the, it, it's something that's not taken very seriously by historians. Um, So it's something that kind of served a good purpose for the film, and there is that little grain of plausibility because there is a mention of the Pharaoh uh, invading in the Bible, but there really isn't a whole lot beyond that, and it's not something that is one of the leading theories about the current whereabouts of the Ark. Okay, so now we're going to get to the next theory, which may be uh, the most let's say, theory about where the Ark is, especially in popular culture. And this is the theory that the Ark is in the country of Ethiopia in Africa. So according to this theory, and uh, there is is an actual legend that is held by the Ethiopian people that one of their early rulers, the Queen of Sheba, visited King Solomon uh, in Jerusalem and had a son with him named Menelik. And Menelik eventually then himself visited Jerusalem, and some of the nobles that came back to Ethiopia with him actually stole the Ark and brought it back uh, to their country. And it eventually ended up in the town of Aksum, where it, according to the Ethiopian church, that is where the Ark currently is, inside a church called the Church of Our Lady Mary of Zion. And as part of this legend, um, they have the original Ark of the Covenant uh, from, you know, uh, from the second century BC today in this church. And there's a guardian monk who is appointed for life, who is the only person who is allowed to see it. And so, okay, this is something that this theory has been in the news over the years. Uh, There is a sort of, pseudo historian uh let's say an alternative archaeologist named graham hancock who uh, i don't want to say anything too negative about graham hancock um he's highly controversial uh among um you know in the field of of history and archaeology he's someone that is not at all accepted within kind of the mainstream archaeological you know experts However, he has gained a lot of popularity. He's been on things like the Joe Rogan Show. He's written a lot about the ancient world and has some theories that uh, really kind of turn our understanding of the ancient world on their head, let's say. I haven't dove into all of his work yet, so I don't want to comment too much on it, but he did write a book about the Ark of the Covenant called The Sign and the Seal, and it was... I think it came out maybe in the '90s or early 2000s, something like that, and it generated a lot of uh, a lot of media coverage. And it was about this legend um, and this religious tradition in Ethiopia that they have the Ark of the Covenant. And Graham Hancock became a huge proponent of this theory, where he was talking to the priests that had and the guardians of the Ark, and they had been blinded by looking at the Ark and had, you know, and people that guarded the Ark were killed because the Ark was such a dangerous object, it would have some kind of negative health effects on them and stuff like that. So you can look up Graham Hancock's interviews about this, but he came out strongly in favor of this theory. So. It's kind of uh, an interesting theory. There are, there's some circumstantial evidence in archaeology you know, uh, that definitely support the idea that there was some ancient Jewish religion happening in Ethiopia, and so uh, Graham Hancock and others who support this theory tap into that. Um, so the strengths of the, the idea that the Ark is currently in Ethiopia... The, these people um, who are part of this religious tradition in Ethiopia, this Christian tradition, um, they are the only group of people in the world today, as far as I know, who claim to have the authentic Ark of the Covenant. It's actually a very important part, um, maybe the most important part of their religious faith in Ethiopia, so, um, in their sect of Christianity, so to speak. So, uh you know, we're all looking for the ark and we're you know, and people are uh, coming up with different theories about where it could be hidden, where it could be buried, when it was destroyed, but this group of people um say that they have the ark and they've kept the ark for, you know, millennia basically. Um so there's also a uh, fascinating and frankly disturbing series of events that's been happening in Ethiopia. There was just a daily episode uh, by the New York Times podcast about, about it. There's been a civil war happening in Ethiopia and a lot of conflict. I don't know all the details, but there has been a war in this region uh, called Tigray uh, where Aksum is, which is the home of this church where they claim to have the Ark. There's been a lot of conflict in this area. In fact, at the end of 2020, 750 people were killed in Aksum trying to prevent the Ark of the Covenant from being looted by the military, basically of Ethiopia. So this is very current, this is a very current thing that's happening that's impacting uh, conflict and death in the country of Ethiopia. You have hundreds of people dying trying to protect the Ark and other religious artifacts in the region from being looted by um, their uh, opposing forces in Ethiopia. Again, I don't know all of the details about the current conflict, but I would recommend listening to the recent episode of The Daily where they cover that. Um, so this is a current day thing where the Ark of the Covenant is very much relevant to what's happening in Ethiopia. Now, the problems with this theory, there there are a lot of problems. Um, The problem with this theory, for one, is that all of the evidence pointing to the Ark being there, beyond people saying, beyond the kind of the religious tradition of people who just believe this is the Ark, all of the actual archaeological and historical evidence is very circumstantial. And in some cases, like Graham Hancock is relying on eyewitness accounts of people that are part of this religious tradition who have devoted their lives to it saying that they've seen the ark. And what I would say to that is I think it's interesting. I think that I'm I'm fascinated by why someone would would say that and because you have to think, well, maybe there's a chance they're they're right and that's why they believe it. But I also think you have to take it with a big grain of salt because there are religious claims being made all around the world of miracles happening and religious artifacts and legends and you know once you get into the realm of religion uh you're talking about not evidence you're talking about faith and so you're going away from uh you know uh, these disciplines of archaeology and history and you're going into something else and I'll just leave it at that so i take it with a big grain of salt. And the fact that Graham, someone like Graham Hancock, who's claiming to be a historian, is putting a lot of, um, a lot of credibility in like an eyewitness account from a priest or something, to me is, it kind of shows his hand in how he's approaching all of this. He's taking a very holistic approach to all of this, let's say, whereas an archaeologist, that's, that's not going to cut it. Just someone saying they saw something or someone making a religious claim, that's, that's not evidence. Um, that's maybe an interesting thing you can follow up on, but it's certainly not going to convince you that something is true or really happened. Um, a lot of the literary evidence behind the legend and the text that they have about the Queen of Sheba visiting King Solomon and, and uh, her son Menelik, their son, I should say, Menelik, uh, and the nobles taking the Ark back to Ethiopia, the literary evidence in these Ethiopian tradition... Um, have been dated to sometime around the Middle Ages, um, so this is obviously way later than when these events took place. Now the e- Ethiopians say that uh, okay, the text might be dated to the Middle Ages, but th- these texts are um, relying on much older texts and much older stories, and so that's fair. We've talked about that some before with with other things like some of the legends about Alexander the Great, but. We don't have anything that dates actually back to anything close to the time that these events would have actually had to have happened. So uh, there's also an interesting, speaking of eyewitness accounts, uh, there actually is an outsider um, who has supposedly seen the ark that they have in the church of Our Lady Mary of Zion. And this man's name is Edward Ullendorf. Um, he's actually no longer living, but he's a former professor of Ethiopian studies at the University of London. While he was in the British Army in 1941, around the time of World War II, uh, he actually went into the church, and they didn't want to let him in. But I guess he was there with some other army officials, and they and he wanted he was already someone who was knowledgeable about Ethiopian history, and he basically I think took some uh soldiers with him and just barged into this church which uh may not have been an ethical thing to do um uh but he he went into the church even though they didn't want him to go in with some soldiers and he examined what he believed was the ark that they had there and he said uh years later that it was just a wooden box that he from his estimation could be dated back to the middle ages um, and I say just a wooden box, I'm not trying to downplay it, it, m- it may have been a, an impressive piece, but his dating of it was sometime around the Middle Ages, and he said it was very similar to the other replicas of the Ark that he had seen in all the churches of Ethiopia, where they have replicas. So he thought by no means was this the original Ark of the Covenant. Now, to counter that, the, Ethiopians say, um, uh, the Ethiopian Christians say that He didn't see the actual Ark, that they don't keep the actual Ark out on display, that it's hidden somewhere in the church. And so, you know, in other words, he was tricked and they showed him a replica, not the real Ark. Okay. so the last thing I'll say about this Ethiopian theory is that it's a fascinating situation on a geopolitical level. It's a fascinating situation on a religious level and tracing these traditions back. It shows the importance of the Ark of the Covenant However, I just don't think it's plausible that the Ark of the Covenant, which would be if found, if if someone could have present credible evidence that they had the Ark. This would be the most valuable object in the history of mankind. This would be, you know, the Hope Diamond times a million. This would be uh, a a finding that would, you know, uh, be the biggest finding in the history of, of archaeology and, uh, you know, and would be the most valuable thing on earth. The idea that it's just in this small church in this town in Ethiopia and it's been being, you know, faithfully guarded for millennia and no one's ever, you know, had the thought that maybe, you know, we need to uh, show the world what we have it's just not particularly plausible to me. I think we're dealing here with an interesting religious tradition that probably does go back hundreds of years, and it's something that is an important part of of the history in in Ethiopia and the religious tradition. And one thing that's also telling, in one of the documentaries I watched about this featuring Graham Hancock, they actually interview an Ethiopian uh, native who is a scholar of the religion there and is very knowledgeable. And even he won't commit to the idea that this is the actual Ark of the Covenant. Even he basically says, this is what people believe. But as a scholar, I'm not going to say one way or another. So, you know, this is not something that I believe is taken very seriously by archaeologists, that that is the actual Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Okay. Um OK, so now we're going to move on to the next theory, the Babylonian theory. And this theory is uh, comes from the fact that uh, the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar invaded the Holy Land and looted the Temple of Solomon in the sixth century BC. We have good evidence that this happened. Uh, it's talked about in the Bible. And the idea is that the Babylonians must have taken the Ark of the Covenant with them back to Babylon or somewhere else, or maybe it was destroyed, or maybe it was broken up and melted uh, in, into gold uh, because it was covered in gold. And so it, it had value beyond just whatever supernatural or religious value it had. It had, you know, value uh, for the gold. Um, so the strengths of this argument... Uh, is basically it's, it's very straightforward. If we take what it says in the Bible at face value, it leads to this conclusion pretty naturally that, you know, the Ark was kept at the Temple of Solomon, and when the Babylonians invaded and destroyed the temple, we don't hear about the Ark anymore. So uh, it makes sense that this would be the end of the narrative about the Ark in the Bible and that the Babylonians must have ended up with it. Um, however, there is a problem with the theory. And the problem with the theory is that the Babylonians kept incredibly detailed records about everything, all of the treasures they took from Jerusalem, thousands of different treasures, and never once is the Ark of the Covenant mentioned. And again, so you have something that stands alone as the most valuable uh, and elaborate and important artifact, and it's not even mentioned. It's a little hard to believe that they would have taken the Ark And not even recorded it. And then we have no archaeological or historical evidence that the Babylonians ever had it or it ended up in the palace at Babylon or anywhere else. And so there's no mentions of it later in the Babylonian history. Um, So it's a little hard to believe that they just walked away with it and it was never mentioned again. So, on the one hand, it's a pretty straightforward, simple theory, which I like. It doesn't rest on a lot of different circumstantial evidence and things like that, like maybe the Ethiopia theory. Um, it also, it also doesn't really totally add up either. Um, so, okay. So the next theory, now we're getting into, I think, some of the more plausible theories. Um, so the next theory I'll call the hidden arc theory. And this is the theory that King Hosea or Josiah, I'm not sure about the pronunciation, um... Uh, who was the king of the Hebrews in, in Jerusalem in the seventh century? That he moved the ark into a chamber, a hidden chamber beneath the temple in Jerusalem. There's also another account that talks about him moving the ark to a cave near the Dead Sea. So King Hosiah may have foreseen that Jerusalem could be attacked. Um, or that the ark needed protection of some kind, and move the ark into a chamber beneath the temple or possibly outside of Jerusalem somewhere. Um, There's also another account of the prophet Jeremiah hiding the ark in Mount Nebo in a cave as well. And so the strengths of these theories, they're all a little bit different is that there is some literary evidence in the ancient Hebrew text and Bible that the Ark was moved. So that's important. There is some evidence to to show that that the Ark was taken somewhere else, out of the Temple of Solomon, uh, in the ancient literature. And it would also explain why the Ark is no longer mentioned after this time period. Everyone is thinking about associating that with the Babylonian invasion, but maybe the ark isn't mentioned anymore, not because the Babylonians invaded, but because the ark was taken somewhere else. Um, and again, like uh, like the Babylonian invasion theory, uh, in the, or the looting theory, I should say, um, it also doesn't involve like a very complicated story where the ark was taken to many different places over time. If the ark was hidden well enough, uh, maybe it just hasn't been rediscovered. It would only t- it wouldn't take some conspiracy and hundreds of people involved and guards and all kinds of stuff. It could have just been the case that it was hidden really well. And, uh, we haven't found it yet because the, uh, you know, the archeologists haven't done the right, uh, dig in the right place. And it just hasn't been discovered. Um, the problems with this theory, one problem is that so far in the searches that have been done, they haven't found any evidence of the ark. Um, Uh, There's also a problem, uh, and this doesn't necessarily make the theory less plausible, but it might make it more difficult to ever solve, is that that Temple Mount area where the Temple of uh, Solomon was, where they would have buried the Ark beneath that, according to the hidden Ark theory. That's one possibility that uh, King Hosea um, took the Ark beneath the temple and had a special place where it was hidden. That would now exist under a the Dome of the Rock Mosque in Jerusalem, where the Temple of Solomon once stood. So this is an incredibly like holy place in Jerusalem. Um, I haven't been there. Uh, I find a lot of it kind of confusing, frankly. But my understanding is that we have an incredibly holy place uh, in Islam and Judaism and Christianity, and uh, this is like kind of like. Um, you know, ground zero for these different religions. And currently you have the Dome of the Rock with the Golden Dome uh, that's so iconic, um, that's so important in in uh, the Muslim faith uh, sitting on that land. And so you can't do an excavation really to find out what's under it. Uh, some people have tried, I think, but it's ended in disaster. So that's just something that can't be done. The, um, the Palestinians and Israelis and stuff would not allow that to happen now. So if there, are, if there is a hidden chamber beneath the Dome of the Rock, beneath the Temple Mount, um, we may not be able to actually discover that anytime soon. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Ark could be in there somewhere, but it, we're just not able to, to go for it, basically. Um, and then now I want to get kind of beyond the exact theories of what may have happened to the Ark to talk a little bit about an Uh, an entire alternate view of the Ark. And this, frankly, was the most interesting stuff I came across while researching uh, this mystery. And I'm going to call this the alternate Ark chronology. So this is a chronology that is a lot different than the one that I laid out at the beginning. So a biblical expert and uh, professor named Thomas Romer uh, at the College de France in Paris has been... Doing some different archaeological digs and building this theory now for a while. And he's laying out a case that the ark may not have moved to Jerusalem until the time of Hosea in the seventh century, uh, King Hosea, who we just mentioned. So he lays out a, a new theory that the ark, that King David didn't bring the ark to Jerusalem. And it wasn't then placed in the temple of Solomon in the 10th century, but rather it was outside of Jerusalem. Um, and that this this story, this arc narrative, as it's called, was added sometime later. Um, so one thing that we have to realize with these ancient texts, when we're reading about what King David did or what King Solomon did and all this stuff in the 10th century, this stuff wasn't actually written down for hundreds of years later. So it's you know it's all uh, it's difficult to take it at face value and it could be that the truth is a lot different. Um, so okay, so the idea is that King Hosiah who became king um, of the Israelites in the seventh century, he consolidated worship at Jerusalem. At the time uh, he was the king of Judah, he consolidated worship at. Jerusalem. So he would have had an incentive to bring the Ark to Jerusalem at that time. And the idea is that maybe the sources at that time used these legends of David and Solomon to justify the Ark being there and to kind of create this tradition around the Ark. Um, according to Thomas Romer, this biblical historian, the Ark had been in a town called Kiriath Harim. Um and this was a, a, uh, a town that it was mentioned in the Bible as having the Ark for a short period of time after Shiloh. But according to this theory, it wasn't just there for 20 years or whatever. It may have been there for hundreds of years. And they've been doing recent excavations in this town of Kiriath Harim uh, that have shown evidence of a large temple being there and cult worship activity happening that could be linked to the Ark of the Covenant. The interesting thing about this theory is it would explain if the Ark was actually in Kiriath Harim for all this time instead of the Temple of Solomon for those hundreds of years between the 10th and 6th century, it would explain why we hardly hear the Ark mentioned in the Bible during that time. Um, because it supposedly was at the Temple of Solomon all this time, but the Ark isn't mentioned much. There's not a lot of information about what was going on with the Ark At the time. So, this would help explain that because maybe the ark wasn't actually at the Temple of Solomon. Maybe it came to the Temple of Solomon much later. And then, uh, uh, you know, and even shortly after that, King Hosiah may have hidden the ark somewhere else uh, before it could be destroyed or taken. So, this is a new theory about the ark, an alternate uh, possibility. Um, Like I said, it doesn't reveal where the ark ended up exactly but it does raise new questions about the Ark uh, and kind of the whole mystery surrounding the Ark. For instance, if the Ark of the Covenant was actually spending 400 years in this other town called kiriath Harim instead of Jerusalem, it begs the question, did the original Ark of the Covenant actually ever end up in Jerusalem at all? I mean, a lot can happen in 400 years. And so it makes you wonder whether the original Ark ever made it to Jerusalem at all. And it also starts to make you wonder: Was the entire history of the Ark, as we know it, vastly different? Um, one thing that uh, Thomas Romer and others have talked about was that the early days of the Ark in the um, before the tenth century. Uh, the actual religion that was being practiced by the Hebrews may not have been this monotheistic religion that we think of today that was later written about in the Bible, but it might have involved other gods uh, that were common in that region. And so it's possible that the Ark of the Covenant was actually something that was had other artifacts in it than just the Ten Commandments and was associated with other gods as well. Uh, one interesting point that Thomas Romer makes is in the Bible it says the, the only thing in it really emphasizes that the only thing in the ark was the tablets of the Ten Commandments and the point he makes is that uh, that emphasizing that to him suggests that it was trying to possibly counter uh, another narrative it was kind of the thou doth protest too much type of idea that. The reason they had to emphasize that was because the Ark had been associated with these other religions and held other religious worship cult-type artifacts. And so now they were trying to sort of rewrite that narrative uh, to be a little bit different and to just be focused on this monotheistic uh, approach in the Ten Commandments. And so, you know, um, this is definitely the most interesting of the threads around the Ark of the Covenant. It's difficult to even explain uh, fully. I hope you're understanding the gist of it. Um, But Thomas Romer is someone who has a very uh, deep understanding of the biblical history here. And he's doing some really fascinating work on this. I'm definitely going to reach out to him to see if he's interested in coming on the show. Uh, But the reason why this theory is so interesting to me is because We're getting away from this sort of uh, stuff that the media loves about, oh, there's a legend of the ark going here or a legend there, or, you know, this church and these priests say they have the ark. And this is all very sensationalistic type stuff that's perfect to write a book on. You know, Graham Hancock will sell a million books, or they'll be able to make a really cool documentary on the History Channel about it. But it's not really uh, archaeology. It's not really. Um, the study of ancient history. It's sensationalistic, kind of claims and mythology. But what Thomas Romer is doing is he's actually looking at these texts and saying, it looks like this text wasn't actually written until the time of Hosea. Um, so, you know, so maybe they, So he's actually looking at dating the text, he's actually looking at the archaeological record for this stuff and trying to piece together what really happened by doing the actual kind of deep dive into the study of history. And so I find it fascinating. I find these questions about the Ark that it raises and what the Ark really was used for and where it really was for hundreds of years, very interesting. So I'm definitely going to keep looking into that. So that's kind of an overview of the mystery of the Lost Ark of the Covenant. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you're interested in hearing more about the Ark of the Covenant and me doing more episodes about it, then definitely let me know. Send me a message um, uh, via email, Patrick at ancientheroes.net, or via the, our website at ancientheroes.net, or on Instagram. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'm definitely starting to get drawn to this biblical uh, history and ancient uh, Holy Land type history, and so we might do, you know, continue on this path. Uh, for a little while and if you haven't seen the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark I highly recommend it I've talked to a few friends recently who I don't think have ever seen it including my wife so uh, that's amazing to me Um, so we're definitely going to watch it soon and thanks for listening thanks to Derek Feischer for composing the music used in this episode if you like the show consider leaving us a review on iTunes or your podcast app until next time